certainly good to be with you tonight. Thankful for the opportunity to be able to open God's Word. Appreciate the service that we had together this morning. Appreciate uh, Brother Rod being with us. Didn't realize it, but I actually met Rod years ago. Didn't even know it. Uh, perhaps some of you remember uh, Billy Crafton. I believe that was her last name. Uh, she uh, attended Johnson City for a little while. And uh, she brought uh, Rod over to Johnson City. This had to be uh, 15 years ago, I guess. And uh, he remembered me. I didn't remember him coming over uh, at that time, but we were able to visit yesterday. And as we continued to talk, we realized uh, how many people we actually uh, knew and just had so many things uh, in common. And then he was, uh, as he was there, he asked if he could come back this week and, and stay with us uh, Thursday and Friday. And what's interesting is he asked that after dinner. And so I think he tasted Carly's cooking and thought he's going to get some good meals out of this. And so uh, we're glad that he could come back and be with us and continue to, to talk about uh, his work. I'm thankful that the congregation uh, is supporting him. Uh, he certainly expressed to me over and over again yesterday uh, his appreciation for uh, this congregation and all of the years of support this congregation has uh, provided for him to do uh, the work. His heart is definitely uh, in the work there in New Zealand, uh, in the Solomon Islands. He has uh, invested so much time in that area. And I know he wants to continue to, to do great things. And so uh, we need to continue to pray for him and to help him uh, as much uh, as we can. Well, tonight we are going to continue our uh, little series of lessons that we started last week from Mark chapter 10. In John chapter 3, we learn about a man by the name of Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night, and Nicodemus would say to Jesus, We know that thou art a teacher come from God. Without question, Jesus Christ was a teacher that came from God. He was known as the master teacher, the good teacher. Jesus looked for opportunities to teach and preach. He was born to die, but that's what He lived for. He looked for those opportunities to be able to talk to people about the truth. As Jesus would teach, He would teach by way of questions. Many times He would ask His, his own apostles, His own disciples various questions. I'm, I'm reminded of a question that He asked His apostles in Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse number 13. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It's a thought-provoking question. And you can see the conversation that, that Jesus had and the truth that He revealed about Himself and concerning the church from that question. Jesus would also teach by way of parables. You'll notice as you go through the book of Matthew, parable after parable after parable. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus explained why He would teach in parables. 
And parables were a good way to teach spiritual truths. Jesus would take an earthly story and He would lay beside that earthly story spiritual truths. And that's why you read about parables, many parables. Jesus used parables throughout His teaching. Well, as we turn our attention to Mark chapter 10, we'll notice another method that Jesus would use to teach. He would use a method known as paradoxes. And as you think about a paradox, a paradox is a statement or a thought that seems to contradict itself, yet it reveals great truths. The more I think about paradoxes, it really causes you to think about what is being said. And I'm convinced as we study God's Word, sometimes we need to slow down a little bit and really think about what is being taught, what is being said. Paradoxes have a a way of causing you to think about what is being said. Many times as you come across a a paradoxical statement or a paradoxical thought, uh, you'll actually go back and and read it two or three times. What what is Jesus saying uh, in this statement? What is the thought that He is presenting? And so we should welcome that because it causes us, again, to think about the Scriptures, to study the Scriptures, to really search out those spiritual truths. Well, there's a reason why we are turning to, to Mark chapter 10. I mentioned parables earlier, and any time you think about parables, more than likely your mind goes back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 is known for the parable section. Parable after parable after parable. There are other parables that are recorded in the book of Matthew, but you'll notice that there are several parables recorded in one chapter. Well, if you turn over to Mark chapter 10 as we're studying tonight, you'll notice that in Mark chapter 10 there are at least five paradoxical statements or five paradoxical thoughts that we're looking at. We've already looked at the majority of these. We've presented three of those paradoxical statements already. Just working our way through the chapter, we notice verses 1 through 2, our first paradoxical statement. The two shall be one. Now we understand in that section that Jesus is talking about marriage. Jesus talked about marriage in Matthew chapter 19. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage. We can go back to the book of Genesis and we see that God instituted marriage and God regulates marriage and God has given us His Word, His law concerning His marriage law. But when you think about that paradoxical statement, the two shall be one, it really reminds us of the strictness of marriage. In God's marriage law, the strictness of God's marriage law, one man, one woman, one life, one exception, benefits is for the benefit of the home and society. We understand that God's ways are much higher than our ways. And we need to pay close attention to what God's marriage law has to reveal. Don't resist it. Welcome it. Invite it. Uphold it. 
and don't be ashamed of it. And then in verses 13 through 16, we notice the second paradoxical statements. And remember we pointed out in this thought with this thought, adults shall be children. Look at this verse in Mark chapter 10 verse number 15. Here's the paradoxical statement or the paradoxical thought. Again, adults shall be children. Begin with me in verse number 14. But when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased. Remember, the people brought children to Jesus and this upset His apostles. Uh, We might say this annoyed them. But Jesus welcomes the children. What His disciples were, were doing displeased the Lord. He saw the way that they were acting and He was displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto Me and forbid them not. Underline this, for such is the kingdom of God. If you've ever lost a young child, an innocent child, you realize how much comfort this brings to a family. How much comfort this brings to us as God's people. We see so many little children losing their lives at a very early age. Innocent children. For one reason or another. And it's comforting to know that those children will be in heaven. One of the the Old Testament stories that that we sometimes look to that reminds us of this great truth here in verse number 14. Speaking of children, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You remember when David lost his young child? You remember the statement that, that David made? He can't come to me, but I can go to him. We can take great comfort in statements, in truths like we see here in verse number 14. But Jesus is going to use this to teach a very, very valuable and pointed lesson. Verse number 15, we see the paradoxical thought. Listen to what He says. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. We talked about some of those childlike characteristics. Things that that, that should characterize us as children of God. We pointed out the childlike characteristic of humility, the childlike characteristic of trust, dependability. You see how, how little children will trust and depend upon their parents. And that's exactly what Jesus was wanting His disciples to do. And that is what Christ wants us to do if we're going to be children of God. We must first recognize our smallness, humility in God's greatness. We must also trust in God. We must learn to depend upon God. Again, you think about that little child and those childlike characteristics. How children are teachable. You ever notice that about children? They are are so teachable. They want to learn. They want to know. And we're to have that kind of mentality as the children of God. Another childlike characteristic, I don't think I mentioned uh, this one, but it's a good one. You look at little children and they're not prejudiced. They can play with anybody on the playground. They could care less what color their skin is. 
Do you see why Jesus would would make this point here in, in verse number 15 to His apostles? Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. It's easy to read through, read over that. But you stop and think about that paradox. It's thought-provoking. It seems contradictory. But when you stop and think about it, there's a good reason why Jesus makes this statement. And then beginning at verse number 17, all the way down through verse 31, we talked about the third paradoxical statement. The first shall be last. Now, the paradoxical statement from this context is found in verse number 31. But in this section, this has to do with the rich young ruler. And you remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus a question. He wants to know what he has to do to have eternal life. And Jesus, knowing his heart, knowing his, his weaknesses, said you go and you sell all of your possessions and you come and you follow me. And we see that this statement, this requirement, grieved this man and he went away sorrowful. Jesus then would use this as an opportunity to teach his disciples about the danger of wealth or the danger of materialism. And Jesus goes on to explain that it's hard for a rich man, and I love Mark's account of this because Matthew leaves this this statement out, but Mark uh, adds it, it's hard for a rich man who trusts in his riches to enter in the kingdom of heaven. That's key. Who trusts depends on his riches and not God. That was the problem with the rich young ruler. And the apostles, they struggled with materialism. And I believe we understand that and can relate to that. We live in a materialistic world. Jesus would even say in Luke 12, verse number 15, warning us about materialism when He said, Beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he has. That's the parable of the rich farmer. And you can see how the rich farmer lived his life and what he lived for. And God called him a fool. Why did God call him a fool? Because he totally left God out of his life. And what we need more than anything as we go through life is God. We need to put God first. We need to serve God first in everything. Trust Him. Depend upon Him. Well, this leads to another thought still in this context of 17 through 31. Peter then, in verse number 28, will make this statement. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. All of this is building up to this paradoxical statement that we're going to read in verse number 31. Peter is taking all of this in concerning what the rich young, how the rich young ruler responded, what Jesus taught about riches. And so then he makes the statement there in verse 28. Lo, Lord, we, we have left all and have followed thee. Now when you look at Matthew's account, Matthew adds something that, that Peter is going to mention in Matthew 19 verse 27. Peter says, Lord, what shall we have? The idea is, Lord, what are we going to get out of this? 
You think about James and John, uh, what they left. Uh, they left a business. Uh, they left their father's family business to follow the Lord. Many of the apostles made sacrifices. And, and so, naturally, this would be a, a question that, that would be on their minds. Lord, we have left all. Well, Jesus goes on to explain in verse number 29, even though you have left houses and even though you may have left family, look at verse number 30, you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. You see, the Lord has has so much to offer. When I read about this here in Mark chapter 10 verse 30, it reminds me of another account in Matthew 12 verse number 50 where the mother of Jesus and his siblings come to see him and the disciples come into him and they say, Lord, uh, your family is here to see you. And Jesus makes an interesting statement. Whosoever doeth the will of my father, the same is my mother, the same is my brother, the same is my sister. The point that Jesus is making is Jesus is associated with those who do the will of His Father. Jesus is related to those. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren if we do the will of God. Jesus is wanting Peter to understand what he has gained in following Him. And you see, we we gain so much. We learn in the book of Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 23, the desire of the righteous is only good. Everything about Christianity, everything about following the Lord is good. And you see that there at the end of verse number 30, eternal life. But we understand that there are... Uh, there are challenges to live in the Christian life, and you'll see that in the statement with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. But then with all of that being said, we come to that paradoxical statement. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Notice that it seems to contradict itself. But there's a reason why Jesus makes this statement. Jesus is wanting His disciples, again, to think. And, and, and to think on a spiritual level. But then that brings us to the next paradoxical statement. And it seems like to a certain degree, as you continue to, to end this chapter, this continues to to, to build because some of these paradoxical statements or thoughts are, are really tied together and rightfully so as you consider this, this context. Well, in verses 32 through 45, we're going to see the next paradoxical thought. Servants shall be rulers. Servants shall be rulers. Now, be thinking about uh, the apostles' mentality, the statement that, that Peter makes, Lord, we, we've left all. Probably thinking on uh, an earthly uh, level, being carnally minded to, to a degree. And I think you'll see the same thing uh, as this context 
develops. Well, beginning at verse number 32, Jesus is, is going to foretell uh, His death, uh, His burial, uh, and His resurrection. How He'll be delivered to the Gentiles, verse 34, how they shall mock Him, scourge Him, uh, they'll spit upon Him, they shall kill Him, and the third day He shall rise again. It's interesting that Mark doesn't record a response. Now remember the first time Jesus foretells of His death, burial, and resurrection, uh, how He would be arrested and and how uh, He uh, would be beaten and killed. You remember Peter didn't like it. And and when Peter heard that, uh, Peter rebuked Jesus. That's recorded uh, in Mark 9 verse number 31. But then Jesus is going to turn around and correct Peter in in what he said. And Jesus says, Peter, you are not mindful of the things which be of God. This is God's will. This is God's plan for me to go into Jerusalem, uh, to be delivered, to be tried, uh, to be crucified, to be raised again from the dead. This is the second time Jesus talks about His suffering and His death. And here in Mark chapter 10, the apostles don't say anything. But then, beginning at verse number 35, we read about James and John. Uh, the sons of, of Zebedee. They are known as the uh, Boanerges, the sons of thunder. Speaking about uh, their zeal. Uh, they come to Jesus and they come to Jesus with a, requ- with a request. Master, verse number 35. We would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant us that we may sit one on the right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? You may circle the word cup and you can go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, where Jesus prayed in the garden. You remember what Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. The cup, the baptism that Jesus is speaking about to His disciples, and more specifically to James and John, had to do with persecution, had to do with suffering, and ultimately laying down their life for the cause of Christ. And so Jesus will ask the question, again, will you be able to do that? Verse number 39, listen to what they said. We can. And Jesus said unto them, ye shall. We can and ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I'm baptized with shall ye be baptized. This prediction was fulfilled as you fast forward into the book of Acts. Uh, It was fulfilled first of all in John chapter 5 verse number 40. Uh, We see the apostles uh, being beaten. It had to do with that cup 
of suffering, the baptism, the immersion of pain and suffering. And we also see it in Acts 12 verse 2 where Herod Agrippa had James put to death and almost had Peter put to death. But remember, Peter got away. And so we see how many of these things were fulfilled. How they had to endure the pain, the persecution, ultimately being persecuted for the cause of Christ. But look at verse number 40 and 41. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand, their request, is not mine to give, but it shall be given unto them for whom it is prepared. Now, what James and John asked for caused a problem with the other apostles. And you'll see this in verse number 41. When the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. In verse 42, But Jesus called them to Him and said unto them, You know not, ye know that they which are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. Now whosoever will be great. Here's the paradoxical thought. Coming from verse 43 and 44. But who shall, but it shall not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you, listen to it, shall be your minister. And whosoever you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Now when you look at their mindset, They were following the wrong example. And we see that going back to verse number 42. They were admiring the glory and the authority of the Roman rulers. They saw how Rome was structured. They understood the authority and the the prominence that, that, that Herod had. And we see people like Herod and we see those that were in positions of authority during the Roman Empire. Uh, They would go out of their way and do anything to promote themselves to be in this great position of authority. They would do anything, again, to, to move up the ladder. The apostles were following the wrong example. And that's why Jesus makes this this paradoxical statement there in verse 43 and 44. If you're going to be a part of my kingdom, you're going to have to learn to serve. Greatness in my kingdom is not like the Romans. It's not like Herod. It's not like anything that you see upon this earth, sitting on the right, sitting on the left, being in this position of rulership, authority. That's not the way my kingdom is structured. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you're going to have to learn to serve. Again, whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever will be chiefest shall be the servant of all. This is God's pattern in Scripture. 
You think about this, this idea of, of being promoted. Spiritually speaking, if we're going to be promoted, we have to learn to serve. That's what the kingdom is all about. Serving one another. By the way, you think about that idea of, of serving and being promoted. And you see it spiritually speaking. You see it through, throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. You, you think about Joshua. You, you think about Moses. Uh, you think about Joseph. Uh, notice how, how Joseph was, was promoted to, to be ruler. But notice before he became ruler, he had to serve. You can see the same thing with Moses, Joshua, David, Timothy, and even the Lord Himself. And I believe a perfect example of that concerning our Lord is seen in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. How Jesus Christ humbled Himself, how He became a servant obedient to His Father, but then how the Father exalted Him. That's the New Testament pattern. You see, the apostles were wanting to be exalted without serving. Jesus said, you're going to have to learn serve before you are exalted. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 12, Jesus said, if we suffer with Him, then shall we reign with Him. Suffering comes first. Serving comes first. Sometimes we make this statement. Uh, before we can be crown wearers, we have to be cross bearers. Luke 9 verse 23, Jesus said, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Again, before we can be crown wearers, Revelation 3 verse 5, Revelation 2 verse 10, I'll give you the crown of life. We have to first serve. We have to be faithful. We have to endure the persecution of this life. But if we will do that, God is the one that will exalt us. And we see Jesus will give us a place on His throne. Read Revelation 2 verse number 21. He'll share the throne with us if we will serve Him. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across to His apostles. You want to be great in My kingdom, you learn to serve. And you sacrificially serve. And God will exalt you. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you in due time. Literally at the right time. It's encouraging to know as you continue to look at the New Testament I truly believe James and John learned the lesson. And I believe there's a reason James and John are being highlighted here. You see that in Acts chapter 12 with James. And I believe you see what we're talking about with the Apostle John when you read the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And I would encourage you to read the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John with Mark chapter 10 as the background. You see John's spiritual growth. You see John growing in service. And the Apostle John became one of the greatest servants that we read about in the New Testament. 
He under he finally learned the lesson that in God's kingdom you don't need a title. You don't need to be in some position like we see here on earth. We simply need to learn to serve. As Jesus, who said in Luke 22, verse 27, I am among you as he that serveth. Follow the example of Christ. Learn to serve the needs of the other, of others. And you will see yourself becoming great in the kingdom of God in the eyes of God. Remember, God sees differently than we do. And we notice that in that third paradoxical statement. The first shall be last. Think about how God views things. And then we come to the last paradoxical statement there in Mark chapter 10. It begins in verse number 46, going down through verse number 52, and it has to do with blind Bartimaeus. Now, as I said, uh, as you go through Mark chapter 10, uh, we see these, these paradoxical statements slash paradoxical thoughts. This is a paradoxical thought that we're presenting from 46 through 52. The poor, listen to it now, the poor become rich. Now let's read it and see how that thought fits into this context. The poor become rich. Beginning at verse number 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side, listen to it, begging. Uh, this says something about blind Bartimaeus. He was a very poor individual. And the only way that, that he was able to make it in life was by begging for the necessities of this life. In verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Don't underestimate that statement. Son of David. Even though Bartimaeus was blind, he wasn't deaf. He was hearing what people were saying about Jesus. And I believe to, to some degree he makes the connection and we see that concerning the statement that he makes, the son of David. A messianic title. Obviously, blind Bartimaeus saw something in Jesus. Think about that. He saw something in Jesus. He saw that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And that's why he's coming to Jesus. And many charged him, Bartimaeus, that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, 
Thy faith hath made thee whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He benefited from Jesus. He was healed, but notice verse 52. He is commended for his faith, and we see he followed Jesus. The poor become rich. And I believe the life of Bartimaeus really illustrates that for us spiritually speaking. We have the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 verse number 7. According to the riches of God's grace. When we experience redemption, when we experience newness of life, when we are baptized into Christ, we become rich in Christ Jesus. But spiritually speaking, to become rich, you have to first become poor. You see why we are presenting that that paradoxical thought? In order for people to be blessed by Jesus, in order for them to be rich, spiritually speaking, you first have to become poor. The Beatitudes begin with that thought. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We must recognize that spiritually speaking, we are beggars. And spiritually speaking, we can't save ourselves. We can't help ourselves. There's not enough good in the world that we can do to, to merit our way into heaven. We have to totally rely upon our God and what Christ has done for us in dying on the cross and shedding His blood in order to inherit eternal life. We have to become poor in order to become rich. I think about this paradoxical thought in it. It reminds me of another story that we read about in the book of Luke. The rich man and Lazarus. And we see how uh, the rich man lived his life, living a life of luxury like the rich farmer. And he didn't allow God to, to obviously be in his life. He had no place for God. But then we, we read about Lazarus, uh, the beggar. But you realize in eternity the tables were turned. Uh, uh, Lazarus became rich and the rich man became poor. The poor become rich in Christ Jesus. Living the Christian life is the best life that we can live. And Paul brings this out in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7-8, as he encourages us to exercise ourselves unto godliness. And he says, Godliness is profitable in all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. That just shows the riches are the wealth of, of Christianity. The promise of life that now is, you want to live a good life? You want to live the best life here on this earth? Become a New Testament Christian. Live faithfully as a Christian. Don't allow yourself to become seduced by the secondary. Don't allow materialism to choke the Word out of your life. Seek God first. Put Him first in everything. Be ready to do good works in Christ Jesus, for that is our purpose 
and your life will be filled with rich things, spiritual things, eternal things. And so tonight as we close our lesson, I hope these paradoxical statements and thoughts from Mark chapter 10 will cause you to think on a spiritual level. To think deeper, spiritually speaking. Let's challenge ourselves as we go through this life to think spiritually. To be of a spiritual mindset. And when we, and when we go through life like that, we will be rewarded. Paul says in Romans 8 verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life in peace. I'm thankful for the teachings of Jesus because the teachings of Jesus Christ will change our lives. They'll remind us of things that are important. The teaching of Jesus reminds us that this life is short. And we have so much to look forward as we think about eternity. But never forget, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Allow the teachings of Jesus Christ to prepare you for eternity. Tonight, if we can help you, won't you please come right now?